Welcome, welcome everyone. I'm uh, Dr. Mike Chupp, and I am uh, representing CMDA. I'm the, I, uh, I guess it's not a joke. I'm serious. I'm the chief exhortation officer of uh, CMDA, and that's what I want to be. And I want to exhort you this afternoon and talk a little bit about a very important topic. Uh, it's been important to me since I was 12 years old. It became a Apparent to me when I was at a Christian leadership training camp for boys in western rural New York um, that I needed to always have a mentor in my life. And I think that for some of us uh, who need a lot of uh, repetition and a lot of help in life, God has been bringing one wonderful mentor into my life after another after another. And, um, and I'm going to just uh, uh, here at the beginning of my presentation explain to you how mentoring has just been dead center on my uh, radar as a healthcare missionary. I trained in general surgery uh, back in the late 80s and early 90s, and um, after I finished my training was part of a private practice, uh, and then uh, went on and became a missionary at Timmock Hospital, where I was for the better part of 20 years. So whether you are here this afternoon, hopefully this is technology going to work, So whether you're here this afternoon and wanting to think about how to approach finding a great mentor, um, this little guy, you mean to tell me that even I need a mentor? And then this little guy, new mentors, bring them right here. Welcome aboard. I'd like to suggest that we all need mentors for every stage and season uh, of our lives, especially through the transitions that we go through. And uh, I'm glad that you came today, whether... Uh, you have had 100 or 200 mentoring experience, experiences, or whether you've been a mentee, or whether you're thinking about how do I go about, um, or even why should I take the risk of talking to a faculty member um, or a pastor to engage with me in a mentoring experience. Well, as I mentioned, um, I've had a number of mentoring experiences, whether those are missionary general surgeons. Dr. David Stevens, who's our CEO emeritus, has been a wonderful mentor of mine. Uh, Dr. Jim Teeter, when I was a medical student at Timmock Hospital. And then I've had some cross-cultural mentoring done by some wonderful pastors, two pastors at Timmock Hospital. Uh, one, uh, our head pastor, Elijah B., who's the spiritual ministry director at Timmock. Um, and then Reverend David Killell, uh, who's been, who founded the hospital cha chaplaincy program at Timmock Hospital, as well as an international chaplaincy school. Both have uh, spoken into and encouraged me and occasionally re gently reprimanded me uh, over a course of a couple of decades. I wanted to share this study with you. This is probably one of the largest studies that were, was ever commissioned by the Continuing Medical Dental Education Commission called the PRISM Study. This is a, one of uh, the oldest commission of CMDA. Uh, started, I think, back in the 70s and uh, has been overseeing conferences that happen every uh, year, one in Thailand and one in Greece. And um, this study, it was a survey. I actually remember participating in this survey myself. Nearly 400 active missionaries were, were polled uh, about all kinds of issues. And this is from the executive summary of the PRISM study in 2011, that one of the biggest opportunities that we who filled out this study, um, the survey, the biggest opportunity in cross-cultural medical work today was considered by those polled, surveyed, to be mentoring or training national medical workers, especially Christians, likewise improving their own ability to do training or mentoring. So that's missionaries' ability to do training or mentoring was reported by those surveyed, uh, these surveyed medical missionaries to be the greatest area of need for further training. So this is from PRISM. So, PRISM. so my objectives today are that I that I hope that you'll discover a little bit better the vital role that's played by mentors to think about that a little bit for and by healthcare professionals in the setting of cross-cultural ministry, but also, frankly, in same-cultural ministry. Describe the key ingredients of a fulfilling and successful healthcare mentoring experience, and then consider the basic commitments that are required. And I hope I come up with a nice, easy system for you to remember those commitments from both the mentor and the mentee in order for both parties 
whether on the receiving or giving end, to consider that the experience was worthwhile. So here's a picture. I came straight out of residency, Methodist Hospital and General Surgery in Indianapolis in 1993 and joined this Christian multi-specialty group. You'll see its mission there, uh, mission statement. We strive to be a distinctive role model in the integ- and leader in the integration of medical care, Christian witness, and missions. And I wanted to come out of residency and be mentored by and influenced by some experienced people who cared about spiritual ministry. Now, this wasn't the first place I interviewed. I went to a couple of other Christian practices, but my wife and I came away from all those interviews uh, figuring out that this may not be a group of surgeons that will facilitate and encourage and empower me to, to carry on with what God, I felt God had called us to do in career missions. And so we chose Southwestern Medical Clinic because it was clear to us uh, that they believed in missions and had sent missionaries around the globe. Um, and at that point in time, my partners there, three of the four went on to become career missionaries. Uh, three of us, myself, Doug Wilson, uh, served in Niger and David Stevens for many years in Zimbabwe. Roy Winslow, frequent short-term missionary to, Zim- to Zimbab- um, Rwanda, to Kibogora Hospital. And then, uh, I'm sorry for the stained picture, but it's the best picture I have of Dr. Bob and Marion Schindler, uh, former president of the Christian Medical and Dental Society back in the mid-80s. Bob was my chief of surgery. Uh, for three years as I was in my first three years of practice. And I'll get back to Bob here in a minute. This is my gang. This is what we looked like when we started in 1996. And this is what we became, raised my family over the course of 20 years in the country of of Kenya. Now have uh, two married uh, young adult kids, uh, one of whom is a nurse, one of whom is preparing to go to PA school. Uh, My son just got out of the Rangers, and he's in surgical tech training uh, now in Knoxville. So we continue to be a medical family. Well, I spent 20 years as part of a growing uh, miracle uh, called Timwick Hospital, where the motto is uh, rather well-known, we treat and Jesus heals. That's a great motto, whether it's Timwick Hospital, whether hopefully your Christian practice, wherever you are. Um, it was in 1988, as a fourth-year medical student, I was introduced to this hospital, and it was there that I met David Stevens, uh, who would go on to influence my life significantly by inviting me to come back when I returned to the States, uh, to come back to Tenwick when I finished my surgical training. And uh, when I got to Tenwick, he had left and ended up at, um, running CMDA. And uh, after I'd been at Tenwick for about 18 years, Dave asked me if I would consider a change in course. Um, and come back and be a part of his leadership team at CMDA. This is Bob Schindler, and one of Bob's, this is his tombstone. This tombstone is one mile from the clinic where we practiced together for three years, and he was frequently saying this phrase, which I think about frequently, that the greatest privilege in the world is to be a servant of Jesus Christ. And Bob lived that day in and day out in his life. And the picture on the left is Bob. Bob was actually the president of the international CMDA uh, body uh, for a couple of years. Loved that organization. And when Dave Stevens asked me to consider whether I would leave a career in uh, in missions as a surgeon um, and be a part of leading CMDA and was told that I might be on the board of of ICMDA, I thought of Bob Schindler, and probably this was the number one reason I was even willing to consider leaving our home and uh, our second home in Kenya in Timmerk Hospital, uh, where it was greatly fulfilling um, to consider coming back to CMDA. Well, while we were serving at Tenwick, um, you know, we talked about mentoring all the time and mentoring of new missionaries who came along, and actually um, uh, our first couple that we mentored under the WGM official Missionary Discipleship Mentor Program. Um, This is the mentor's uh, book. Their son actually is here today. Um, Luke Luke Brown, his parents, uh, Ben, uh, Luke Brown, Luke Roberts, his parents, Ben and Jenny Roberts, were actually the very first missionary couple that we ever mentored in this formal mentor training program, and they remain serving. Uh, ben is a retinal surgeon um, at Tenmark Hospital. Uh, so our mission realized that just to fly by the seat of the pants and just assume that we can be good mentors is a bad assumption. 
And so we went through formal training. My wife and I were the first uh, among about five couples in the country of Kenya to undergo this training done by one of our vice presidents. And so it had a big impact on us and, as I say, the Roberts and then several other missionaries came along. It became very important to us. We saw the impact, the staying power of a formal mentoring uh, training program uh, for new missionaries on the field. And by the way, I'm going to skip to the end. I do have a number of resources that I have put on this breakout session on the web and about nine different resources. And this uh, mentor, for the mentor handbook, as well as for the mentee, uh, is a resource that you can download from this breakout session uh, after, the, after this is over. Now, I believe enough in mentoring uh, for myself that I have always sought for myself a mentor at every stage. And when I was asked by our board of trustees to become the CEO, I sought a mentor, and that just happens to be the president of World Gospel Mission, who's Dr. Dan Schaefer, the first businessman to ever, and pastor to become president of, of the mission that I served with for 20 years. 2 Timothy 1, 6, and 7 is a verse that I memorized when I was 12 years old, and it has continued to impact me to this day. For this reason, Timothy, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. And so just before Dave Stevens invited me to consider leaving Timberk Hospital and coming to the U.S. to be a part of his leadership team, uh, my wife and I put together this logo, not knowing that an invite and a huge change in our life was coming. This is the logo because fanning into flame from this, uh, this passage in 2 Timothy, uh, for, our, for my wife Pam and I, mentoring and motivating and mobilizing were three aspects that we felt God had gifted us in, had made us passionate about, and we thought it was going to be growing Timok Hospital even further uh, into a, uh, a larger, more impactful, all-across-East Africa mission hospital. But God had something else in mind. And this is, I did orthopedic surgery for the most part, in addition to general surgery, and this was my team. Uh, at uh, Timberk Hospital just about a year before I left. And the PACS program, many of you are aware of the Pan-African Academy of Christian Surgeons. Timberk Hospital um, is the largest of the PACS programs and has the most number of programs in different specialties. But when I see these faces of the various residents that I had the privilege of being a part of training, every time I see this, I get tempted to go back <laughs> to, to quit my CEO job and go back to Tenwick because uh, these are dear, wonderful friends, uh, gifted, gifted servants of Christ. I won't go back, but um, I'm tempted to when I see these wonderful faces that I had an opportunity just to speak into a little bit. And got to thinking over time that John the Baptist's statement about Jesus, that he must increase, I must decrease, was very true about the, is about the PACS program and those uh, African, young African surgeons that we were mentoring, that they must be the focus and they must be the future. And we from the West, their mentors must decrease. And that's a really good motto for us as we approach any mentoring situation, that my mentee must increase and I must take a back seat and, and put them forward. Mentoring is so important to CMDA that our board of trustees in January of this year decided on nine different objectives uh, for our future the next three years from 2021 to 2024. The very first uh, qu strategic question is how can CMDA leverage mentoring relationships in order to keep our members engaged through their professional transitions? And healthcare training, I call it the Mount Metamorpho. It's a, it's a decade of climbing this mountain to be able to wear that white coat and to be in practice and recognized as a healthcare professional. Um, has a lot of transitions. Undergrad prep and quest to enter grad school. Grad school ladder as we go from basic science training to clinical. Transition to residency and or fellowship. Transition to clinical practice or an academic career. Changes during that career. Job position or leadership. Marriage and family transitions usually that happen during that uh, decade of decision. Retirement prep and transition. And then, of course, end of life uh, preparation. Well, Dave and Gene uh, were my predecessors at CMDA, Dave Stevens and Gene Rudd, 
And Gene Rudd, uh, senior vice president, uh, was Dave's right arm, uh, said to me, Mike, every serious follower of Christ must have a Paul, you must have a Timothy, and you need a, at least one Barnabas in your life. So I want to ask you today, who is Paul for you? Who is that mentor who's challenging you to stretch your faith, to try new things, attempt great things for God with his help? Who is your Timothy? Who are you discipling? Who are you mentoring and discipling right now? And who is in your life functioning as a Barnabas to encourage you and to exhort you as a son or daughter of encouragement? So who or what is a mentor? Baylor University uh, has a program, and they describe a mentor as a loyal friend, a confident, a confidant, an advisor. Uh, a teacher, guide, coach, and role model. One who is entrusted with the care and education of another. Someone who has knowledge or expertise to nurture another person of ability. Someone who's willing to give what he or she knows with no expectation of reciprocation or remuneration. And finally, someone who represents knowledge, skill, and virtue. And with all the gray hair in this room, or some without hair, I know there is a great deal of that accomplishment, knowledge, skill, and virtue that can be passed to a new generation. Now, Baylor says someone who has no expectation of reciprocation. An author, Jeff Hainan, that I had the privilege of interviewing on my podcast that comes out every week, uh, CMDA Matters, uh, wrote a book, An Uncommon Guide to Retirement, and he has a whole section. I recommend it for those of you who are uh, in retirement or contemplating retirement uh, because Jeff, uh, he, he pushes some buttons in us, so those of us considering what maybe we think retirement should look like, and he challenges the, the thinking a little bit. And he has a whole section on mentoring. And he, uh, what makes for effective mentor or mentee relationships? He, Jeff says both sides have to add value to each other, or in his experience, it never works out. And he says, reciprocity is the key. Reciprocity is the key. So Baylor says we're not expecting his mentors to be, have reciprocity, but for this thing to work out, our mentees have gifts and skills and experiences, and in many cases, youth, um, and to maybe technology, uh, understanding, to share with us. Um, they have different kinds of gifts. We're all gifted differently. And so they can give back to me and help me grow as well. I want to introduce you to just uh, talk about shortly a, a, a concept that I call cameo mentoring. Because in, in my role, and probably in many of your roles, um, you're going to have, whether it's students, residents, uh, fellows, or others, who come alongside and they, they want to spend maybe, they can just have 30 minutes of your time or 60 minutes of your time. And some of you who are faculty, uh, emeritus, big positions, sometimes that's all you can afford. So let me suggest that in that cameo setting, cameo is just a minor part played by a prominent performer in a single short scene of a mentee's life. And for me, one of my first cameo mentors was Dr. Ernie Sturey himself, the founder of Timbuk Hospital. And I got there as a medical student on my first day walking up from the guest house, and I just happened to intersect this older man, gray hair and a white coat, and it was Dr. Ernie Sturey. And for the next three or four minutes, you know, Ernie could have talked to me about a lot of things. He could have talked about, uh, welcome to Timmock Hospital, it's a great hospital, and, uh, you know, one, two, three, four, here's what we've done. I've done, uh, this week alone, I did 10 C-sections and da-da-da-da-da, but he didn't. As for the next three minutes, as we're walking up to the hospital, he asked me question after question after question. He wanted to know what God was doing in my life, where I was from, what specialty was I thinking about, and how long was I here. I'm so grateful to have you here at Tenwick. And so in this cameo, he listened. Listened, and he asked questions about my story, and he did not dominate the discussion, even though he could have. Um, in a cameo mentoring experience, suggest resources and training that that mentee might pursue. Also, because they're going to need someone, I'm going to get into, into it here in a few minutes, they're going to need someone local who can observe them and who um, that they can meet with, hopefully one-on-one -on -one 
together on site. So maybe we know people who live local uh, to those uh, mentees and connect them uh, during that short time when we hear their heart and where they're wanting to go. Um, and then pray with them and keep the door open for future such uh, interactions. So I want to transition now. Uh, my, my talk is uh, the vows of effective healthcare mentoring, the vows. And all throughout God's word, we find vows or oaths being taken, that promises are very important, including promises that God makes to us. And in Hebrews 6, 6 to 18, it's, uh, the writer of Hebrews says, Now when people take an oath, they call on someone greater than themselves to hold them to it. And without any question, that oath is binding. God also bound himself with an oath so that those who had received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. So God has given both his promise and his oath. I don't know how many of you are game show, watch any game shows um, uh, on any kind of regular basis. Occasionally my wife and I watch uh, a, a program um, Yesterday and the other, I gave this talk yesterday, and I called this Jeopardy. It's not Jeopardy. <laughs> this is the Wheel of Fortune, the Wheel of Fortune, and uh, effective healthcare mentoring. You'll see there. What's the category? They must increase. And I'd like to buy a vow, Pat. I'd like to buy a vow. So the vows of effective mentoring relationships. I'd like to suggest to you that they are the vowels. The Vowels of Effective Mentoring Relationships, A-E-I-O-U and Sometimes Y. A-E-I-O-U and Sometimes Y. Now, by the way, I see people writing notes. All of this is in a PDF format uh, uh, on the website that, again, for this talk you can download. There are about nine resources, including this, uh, all of these slides. So I don't know how many theologians uh, that we have in the room but I don't think, I probably, even for the non-theologians, most of us know that one of the Hebrew words for God is E-L, El, Elohim, El Shaddai, God Almighty. And therefore, I'm suggesting that these are vows before God, vowels, vows before God. So the first vowel, A, this, uh, I'm also using these basic alphabet blocks to reinforce that these are basic principles. I don't know if anybody is a Green Bay Packers fan in here. Uh, okay, very good, yeah. Um, they're doing okay this year. They're doing all right. Um, but Vince Lombardi, the great coach, I think, it was, I think it was in the 70s. Maybe Dr. Larson can correct me, but it, there was a fourth quarter when they lost, I think, to the Colts uh, in, a, in a championship game. They had a big lead, and they blew it in the fourth quarter. And Vince Lombardi was really ticked off with his team. That they, that they showed a lack of discipline. And so the very first day of training camp in the following summer, he, he went into the locker room and he took, well, he took the pigskin and he said, Gentlemen, this is a football. This is a football. We're going to start with the basics because you guys blew it. So these are, these are basics, but I'm going, to, I'm going to tell you that some of these basic principles are difficult to pull off in a mentor-mentee relationship. So this vow, A, I will be available and affirming as long as God keeps the door open in this relationship. I will be available and affirming as long as God keeps the door open in this relationship. And I want to remind you that this is always a two-way relationship. So this is not just a vow the mentor takes and not just a vow for the mentee. The relationship needs to go in the direction uh, that is best for the mentee and not necessarily best for the mentor. Uh, behind affirmation is a mutual respect for each other's time and our effort as well as our qualifications. The mentee, and for those of you who are younger and thinking about seeking someone, whether it's, in, it's still in undergrad or in medical, dental school, any of the professional schools or residency, um, the mentee shows gratitude uh, for the investment of the mentor. My wonderful uh, mentor, Bob Schindler, um, was always available to me. As busy as he was, three or four days a week, 60 patients in his surgical clinic, huge surgical load, was always available to me. But he also was very affirming to me. And they, he would, every evening, my first month of practice in 1993, the phone would ring, 
we were sitting at the dinner table, my wife and I, and my wife got so accustomed to it, she said, it's the encouragement call. So it was Bob Schindler, and Bob would have figured out something from my day that he'd heard about that he wanted to tell me about. And he would say, you know, an endoscopy nurse today there in St. Joe said that you were the slickest first-year endoscopist they had ever met. Um, and I just wanted you to know that. Uh, enjoy, your, enjoy your dinner. Um, and then the eve- next evening, it would be something else. Hey, I ran into Dr. So-and-so who said he met you today, and he is so happy for me that I have a partner like you. Over and over again, those sorts of words of affirmation. Now, I will tell you that later on, there came some time. There came some times when, um, you know, in addition to some positive things, Bob shared with me some negative things. Um, and uh, sometimes those things weren't, I didn't always necessarily play well uh, with one, partic- one particular surgeon that joined our practice. And Bob set us both down and gave us the riot act about the way we were behaving uh, toward one another. And so um, Bob was an amazing mentor to me as an, as an older uh, a surgeon. Um, I'll get back to Bob in a minute. So the next vowel. So I will be available and affirming. The vowel E. I will share my experiences as well as my expectations with complete transparency. And once again, this is bidirectional from mentor to mentee and from mentee uh, to mentor. And mentees have experiences as well and have to be, make themselves vulnerable. So when asked about what helped most in a mentoring relationship, mentees will very frequently describe that hearing about mentor, their mentor failures and how they dealt with them was the most valuable aspect of that relationship. Mutual accountability. The mentor has expectations of the mentee. Obviously that the mentee will show up. The mentee will follow up and, and do a, will do assignments, whether that's reading or service. But the mentee also has expectations of the mentor, and those need to be outlined early in the relationship. And the mentee obviously has to respect a busy mentor's boundaries. And that needs to be clarified right at the beginning. A mentor should be checking back on what the goals from the last session were and asking, uh, asking them if there were new learning goals that they wanted to accomplish this time around. So I will share my experiences and expectations with complete transparency. Um, this is a study from two academic health centers uh, that came out in 2013. And I, I won't read the whole statement, but you see underlined there in bold that this, this uh, testimony, this uh, person that was interviewed in this study says, wealth of experience, wealth of experience, significant personal life experience in the School of Hard Knocks, and wealth of experience. Uh, so mentees are looking for someone who's been on the road ahead of them, and that may be in missions, that may be in, in, in professional um, specialty experience, it may be in marriage, family, friendships, walking with Christ, etc. I will share my experiences and expectations with complete transparency. And then the vowel I. I will remain interested and intentional in cultivating this relationship over time. So none of these, these are all, I, I, I don't think that any of these are a surprise to any of you, but they are, I have found, somewhat difficult to maintain over a length of time in a mentor-mentee relationship. Um, and one way that, uh, I'm currently in two different relationships with mentees. One is with a recent grad from medical school, a young man who graduated in eastern Tennessee, um, who wanted to, become, wanted to go into ENT surgery and didn't match. Um, just was not able, he didn't have any sort of backup plan. It was only ENT and he's not matched. And so he's still in eastern Tennessee. And so we're working together through um, Richard Foster's Celebration of Discipline. And, uh, and he's going through round two uh, for, for uh, interviewing for a residency. Um, and one of the ways that we both have shown each other that we care about this relationship is that on a regular basis, we have been texting each other. And I know he's busy and doing some research and trying to pad up his CV so that he can get accepted, this time either in family medicine or in ENT, God willing. We're praying together. Um, but we text each other on a regular basis that, hey, uh, um, 
Andrew, I'm praying for you today. Uh, I'm hoping that interview coming up this Thursday, which he had told me about the week prior, um, I'm praying that God's going to open some doors. And vice versa. Uh, Andrew knew that I was coming here this week, and Andrew said, I wish I could be there with you. Uh, uh, My wife and I have an activity. I'm going to be praying for you as you are talking about mentoring. I've been very open with Andrew um, not hiding anything that I've uh, that this is a subject that matters to me that I'd be talking here in Louisville um, uh, about mentoring and so he's been walking through some ideas that I've had um, and talking back and forth about what helps in mentoring and what what doesn't so I'll remain interested and and intentional and so intentionality can can show itself in in all, all sorts of ways. Uh, for, for me, it is having actually a, a book to read through with my mentee. I've done this in a number of cases. Uh, Celebration of Discipline is my favorite way to help with spiritual formation uh, of a mentee. Because uh, actually one of my mentors is here at the conference from, who uh, taught me how to take out an appendix back in the old days when we did it open. Uh, Rod Lovett, Dr. Rod Lovett is here at the conference. And uh, some of you know Rod. And Rod... Um, introduced me to the book Disciplines of a Godly Man, uh, and I went through that a couple of times in my life, uh, first with Rod and then with others. So intentional means having some kind of program, whether that's like the WGM mentoring uh, curriculum to walk through, and not just necessarily haphazard um, uh, doing the mentoring too casually. Intentional mentors catalyze the ability to understand and tap into one's own power and promote awareness of individual strengths and limitations and can clarify a mentee's personal vision. Through intentional mentorship, mentors identify, improve, and implement strategies and skills that they have acquired throughout their career. So who's responsible? Who's most responsible in this relationship, in whatever context that a mentoring relationship is happening? Well, most mentoring programs and experts uh, and mentoring research will promote the concept that it is the mentee and not the mentor who is responsible for initiating this relationship, though both must be equally intentional in growth and success. And this is just a a four-stage mentoring relationship cycle that we prepare for this relationship, um, we initiate it, we get it going, we make it grow over time, and then after a period of time evaluate uh, as a mentor for me to ask Andrew and another Mike, who's an, a, actually a young family physician that I'm also a part of mentoring there in eastern Tennessee, are we accomplishing together the goals that you have for this relationship or are we not? And what would you suggest that we could do to make this a more productive mentoring relationship for you? I had a longtime friend of mine who's at Indiana, and I won't give you too many details because uh, I, I don't want to, his identity to, to become a, for some reasons. Um, but he's a guy neurology uh, doc and uh, has been sort of giving me some inside information in this whole gender transition, uh, the transgender tsunami. And he has shared with me some information that there have been many, many failed operations, even at a large university, um, and that sometimes clinics are just shutting down in central Indiana just because of bad complications. But So that was, that's the, 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 the bad news that he's been sharing with me. But the good news he's been sharing with me is that Indiana, uh, even though the university has this great mentoring program uh, in which students are matched with faculty, that the CMDA group shines because it's the CMDA students um, that the other students are so jealous of because of the organic relationships that are happening um, between the CMDA students and CMDA faculty that are there at IU. And those relationships are flourishing because they are organic. And in, in many cases, the CMDA students will will make a relationship with a faculty there at IU or a developer relationship and will request the university to allow them to have that be their mentoring relationship. And so over time, throughout, uh, through the course of the medical school career there at IU, uh, my friend has told me it is actually the CMDA relationships that have been lasting and have had the most um, productive, successful mentoring experiences because the students 
have developed a relationship and are initiating relationships with CMDA faculty. So the O, what is the, the vow that we need to take? I will welcome observation of my life, work, and ministry whenever possible and foster openness in communications between us. Observation enhances the learning and development process. John Maxwell, in his 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, law number 13 is the law of the picture. And so mentoring relationships can work by Zoom, they can work by phone, they can work by distance, but observational um, side-by-side sorts of mentoring relationships are the best. And the openness part is that mentees especially need to be open to criticism and challenge and accountability and an eagerness to learn with humility. So I will welcome observation of my life, work, and ministry and foster openness and so allow my mentee to ask questions about what they see happening in my life. The power of observation, Chuck Swindoll says, the high privilege of being a mentor. A mentor is someone who has earned the right to become a trusted counselor, a personal coach, and guide who plays a significant role in shaping another person's life. Heroes live at a distance. Mentors live up close and personal, providing hands-on guidance and correction and affirmation in face-to-face encounters. Mentors should be chosen based upon observation. A life well-lived allows us the privilege of positively impacting another life. And that's in the book, A Life Well-Lived. And then Dr. Bill Geiger shared with me, he's our Tennessee CMDA state rep, um, shared with me that one of my mentors once said, people will learn more about the grace of God watching you uh, handle suffering and adversity than watching you in success and prosperity. And so think about that in light of the pandemic. And so I know that a number of people are watching me at CMDA as a CEO as we have gone through some challenges and some controversy within the church. We heard about that from Dr. Burton Lee this morning and and, um, uh, from the others. Uh, And actually, Dr. Geiger is going through, this week, I got an email from him that he's going through a challenge in his own life. He has uh, a couple of daughters, one of whom uh, announced to he and his wife some news that had left them devastated. Uh, He asked me to pray for him, and I have three daughters of my own. And, uh, I mean, thank God at this point in time, none of them have gone the path that his daughter has. But watching Bill and talking with Bill and how he's going through this with his wife, Lynn, um, in a way, he can mentor me as he walks this difficult path. Going back to the, um, this study is a systematic review of qualitative research on the meaning and characteristics of mentoring in academic medicine. Uh, Journal of um, General Internal Medicine, 2010. Mentees should perform self-reflection and reveal flaws so that their mentors can interpret and critique their behavior. Courage is needed on the part of mentees to face their weaknesses and to make effective changes. Now, obviously, if you are in a supervisory role and if you're a program director or you're someone who's evaluating and giving grades, that may make it tough for a mentee. And so in that, that situation, someone asked me yesterday as I gave this talk, um, if I'm supervising somebody, should I really be their mentor? And I think that requires... Uh, consideration and and good judgment on whether or not we would seek out someone who's my program director to be my mentor if courage and openness is required in that relationship. So finally, A-E-I-O-U and sometimes Y. The vow is I will be up front and sometimes asking why or what or who or where or how. I will be upfront and sometimes asking why. Self-awareness and willingness to address potential barriers inherent, uh, inherent in, in that relationship. So we need to be self-aware and, and, and a willingness to address any barriers in this relationship between mentor and mentee. Now I use why because obviously that's our English vowel, sometimes why. But really some, why can uh, actually sometimes put our mentee's on the defensive. So open questions like what or who or how or when or where are less confrontational and less likely to put up a mentee's or mentor's defenses. Now, 
If the relationship is a quality mentoring relationship, let me suggest to you that it's okay for mentees to ask hard questions of their mentors. Sometimes even the question, why? And I've had some young uh, Turks, if you will, at Timok Hospital uh, point out some things that I was doing and ask me why. And one in particular was one of our post-residency program fellows from Samaritan's Purse, a young surgeon, on his first day in the OR. Uh, he had finally the day came when he had a case. He had scheduled his first case. And I walked into the operating room, and there on the schedule, uh, his name and his case, and it had been completely scratched off. And uh, so I asked the OR staff, so why did Dr. So-and-so's case get canceled? Well, what's going on? He said, well, the blue team decided um, that they needed to do their case instead of his case. Well, the blue team, I was the red team. This was the blue team. And this was my charge, my young surgeon on my team. And so I, 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 I lost it. I got pretty unhappy. And so I walked straight upstairs to where I knew the blue team was hanging out, and they were staying around kind of doing a little changeover. And I walked up, and I just said, why in the world did you cancel Dr. So-and-so's case? That's inappropriate. It's his first day. Why in the world would you do that? And they were all aghast. I was the medical director of the hospital, senior surgeon. They were, they were just all dumbfounded. Um, and from the corner, I didn't see him standing there, was, was the doctor on my team. He came walking up and he said, uh, it, it's okay, we've, we've talked it out. And I could tell I had missed something. And, uh, and so I walked away and um, cooled off a little bit. And about a half an hour, Dr. So-and-so, my, my young mentee, my young surgeon on my team, took me aside and said, can I ask you a question? Why did you do that? Um, what do you mean? Why did you confront the team that way without talking to me? Uh, you know, I had talked to them already, and I explained the situation with my patient, who actually had something to eat this morning, and therefore I couldn't do my case. And they didn't actually, no matter what the OR staff said, I told them they could take my slot in the operating room today. Um, and wow, did I feel like a lunkhead. Uh, that morning. And I appreciate very much the relationship that I developed with that young surgeon. Over time, he would ask me other questions. Now, that was an obvious mistake on my part, but sometimes difficult questions that mentees can ask other mentors can help mentors in their growth as well from a totally different perspective. So another, uh, this is from the two academic health centers, uh, characteristics of successful and failed mentoring relationships. Um, another one who gave uh, a testimonial to the investigators, I think that the mentor should play the role of listener. So it's important to listen to what the mentee is saying in terms of their important goals and objectives. Um, are sort of like when you're working through a problem as far as trying to give advice. It's hard not to kind of impose your ideas and what you think would be right for yourself onto the situation, but I think a good mentor kind of listens. So listening. Listening, uh, I don't know if any of you have had any coach training. Uh, I went through our CMDA 501 coach training course earlier this year, and uh, coaching and mentoring are different animals, but they share some things alike. And uh, one author shares that coaching is task-oriented, mentoring is relationship-oriented. Uh, coaching is short-term, mentoring is long-term. Coaching is performance-driven. What the coach is to the coachee is, what do you want me to help you accomplish? What is it you're after? And mentoring is development-driven, a little more comprehensive. So um, there is overlap, and you can see this Venn diagram. On the mentoring is advising. We think of it as advising. The coaching is asking. But a coach approach to mentoring can be also very, very um, successful. And uh, the, the theme, the motto of coaching is people are much more likely to do what they tell themselves to do than what I tell them to do. Proverbs 3, 3, and 4. And just briefly, the trust cycle. I'm going to bring this presentation to a close. Um, Solomon says, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and men, tors and men, tees. And so 
Solomon says if we, in, if we invest love and faithfulness uh, into our relationships, trust will grow, loyalty is an outcome, and outcomes, not AD, uh, ATP, uh, like the Krebs cycle, but favor and a good name. Investing, not glucose, but love and faithfulness. And that relationship grows and grows. So uh, the black chair mentor, the red chair uh, mentee, over time, the trust cycle um, produces favor and a good name uh, for mentors as well as mentees. So these are the resources I talked about earlier. Uh, CMDA mentoring guide that we have online. Again, all of these are going to be, this is what the link looks like on uh, this uh, page for this breakout. I've got uh, 20 questions, which is great for students. I've been through these several times with a friend of mine. 25 great questions to ask by Ken Jones, who's the founder of our coaching program. Uh, Our CMDA student mentoring guide. A great uh, mentoring manual from Denver Seminary uh, with a lot of great helpful advice to students on how to approach someone, a faculty member, how to gather and grow a mentoring team. Uh, Mentoring Matters for Christians in Healthcare is my talk. Uh, And then the Mentee Manual, Mentor Manual from WGM. And then a couple of other resources uh, that I found really helpful. Um, In addition, let me suggest that uh, Louisville, this Louisville conference, a number of of speakers have been here over the years talking about mentoring. And there are a lot of talks, really good talks, over these past several years that you can find on medicalmissions.com. Uh, John Maxwell writes a, a great little book called Mentoring 101, and Ken Blanchard, another famous author, One Minute Mentoring, How to Find and Work with a Mentor and Why You'll Benefit from Being One, and then several others, uh, but not the least of which is the book of Second Timothy, uh, which I think Paul and Timothy, Paul mentoring Timothy, uh, four chapters of great mentoring uh, material to guide us. My email is mike.chup at cmda.org. If you want to reach out to me and ask me questions or if uh, you would want to consider me mentoring you, if you're interested in surgery or a career in missions, I'd be happy to either help you uh, or else find someone um, to help you within CMDA. The other thing I want to mention is the CMDA uh, Go app uh, allows us to find one another if you are a member. Uh, you can, it has a GPS feature in it. If you allow yourself to be found, uh, you can find out who all the CMDA members are, uh, even here at the conference, if you allow yourself to be found, or whether in your city. And that can be helpful through those transitions as students go on to the residency to find who the Christian docs are uh, in, in their region uh, that might be available uh, to ask questions and to find a mentor. And then one final comment that I wanted to make Uh, besides showing a picture of my beautiful two-week-old granddaughter, uh, uh, who's uh, Blakely Rose. Um, Someone pointed out yesterday a very important point, is that what we bring to the table in mentoring and being, uh, being mentored is the concept, the biblical concept of discipleship. And I'm not sure that all of our mentoring relationships really, even in my case, have done a great job of focusing on the concept of discipling. That's one reason why I've moved to Richard Foster's Celebration of Discipline, because it's such a great help as I've mentored young healthcare professionals in their walk with the Lord. But we have, uh, I've commissioned a task force at CMDA to help us, and I'm calling, we're calling it the Discipleship-Focused Mentoring Task Force because of our strategic plan, our desire to how can we best leverage mentoring relationships at CMDA. And let me encourage you as you're mentoring, whether you're in a, in a secular practice uh, uh, or whether you are a student, um, to ask your mentor to also include spiritual formation, not just professional development, not just how to get to the next stage in your healthcare career, not just how to be successful in the cultural aspects of being a missionary, but would you also walk with me in growing in my relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ at whatever stage? That is something that must characterize our mentoring relationships within CMDA. And with that, I would like to open the floor. We still have 10 minutes uh, for questions or comments. 
Um, I, I learned a great deal for some, from some comments that were made yesterday. I know there's a, probably a, several thousands of relationships, mentoring relationships represented in this room today. So any, any comments or, or questions from anyone? Yes, sir. Well, I thank you for asking that question. Um, I, I think by asking open-ended questions, um, what in your spiritual walk or in your spiritual f- formation, where do you, where could we work together to grow for your for your growth and sake? Not a um, here's what I think you need. And as I, with Richard Foster, the inward, the internal inward disciplines, the external disciplines, just walking through. I just ask, I ask Andrew, um, just as a friend and I who read through that book uh, a couple of years ago, what have, what's, what, are there any pinch points <laughs> uh, in the celebration of fasting, uh, in the discipline of fasting, or in the discipline of submission, um, or in the discipline of solitude? What were the pinch points as you went through Foster's book and pointed out a, a bunch of scripture principles about the discipline of solitude? And there's a lot to discuss. And so we're both, we're both it's a give and take relationship, even though there's an age difference of 20 or 25 years between me and my mentee. Yes, sir. Yeah, two questions. Uh, one is, I'm just wondering what you've learned about mentoring like in the cross-cultural side. How do you discern like between the cameo mentoring opportunities and people that you feel like it's good to invest more long term? How do you figure that out? Um, I think in a very both are good questions. Maybe let me start with the second one about the cameo mentoring, then you can remind me the first one. Okay. Um, I think it depends on how the conversation goes. Um, I've had a lot of these conversations where at the end of them, thank you, Dr. Chupp, for what you've shared with me today. It was very helpful. I learned this and this and this. And uh, and maybe I've shared with them, like I've had some Liberty, for example, Liberty University students reach out to me. And we've spent a half an hour, 45 minutes on a Zoom call together talking about their future and maybe God's calling them. But then I will point them, uh, we have a board member who's at Liberty at CMDA, Dr. John Pierce. And I will point them in the direction of John, who uh, is a wonderful, godly uh, uh, role model, OBGYN. And I'll tell them, I'm willing for us to get back together again if that's what you would like. But if you'd like to meet with someone uh, there at Liberty, may I suggest I'll be happy to do the electronic handshake. So some of it is leaving it up to the individual who's reached out to me in that cameo on what they would like to do happen from here. And with, with my preference always being someone who's nearby in that uh, ministry setting, educational setting, and so forth. Then the other cross-cultural, a, a really good question. In the setting where I have been, uh, certainly the uh, highly educated, highly motivated uh, residents and interns that have been my flock of potential mentees, um, They were fairly um, Western in in their thinking, uh, in their motivation, and uh, and so I I didn't find there to be too much of a a challenge um, in terms of of setting up the one-on-ones and and having good discussions uh, with them. I would say that you have to work extra hard with those who are junior to you in a cross-cultural setting because... While an American student, an American resident, is probably going to take more initiative in reaching out to me as a very senior person, that doesn't happen as often in a shame-based culture uh, where I am just so high and, you know, you're so high and lifted up as a consultant. And so I think that you need to work harder at, at opening the door and and maybe taking more initiative um, in 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 putting rolling out the red carpet uh, to these potential mentees, so that they know that you really would like to meet with them, and here are the ground rules um, that this is avoiding anything resembling shame or preachiness uh, that you talked about, um, 
And then hopefully you can get a track record that word will spread among the others, um, that, that uh, there's a great benefit from having this relationship with Dr. Chuck in terms of mentoring. Just some thoughts. Other good question. Yes. Yeah. Um, amen. Uh, so Andy Stanley has a saying that I've accepted as one of my own mantras. Do for one what you wish you could do for all. Do for one what you wish. Andy Stanley can't do everything for everybody, and so he has to limit himself. But for those who's, who's able to serve, he wants to do it with great excellence. And so you're right. You can't be mentoring um, all of the available mentees in your life who might seek you out. And so I think you just have to ask for the, the Holy Spirit's discernment um, on who you can fit into your life. And then if you can't fit them in, hopefully you've got a network. Um, or hopefully if you're, you're the men, what, mentee, the, the possible mentee, that the one you, uh, if they can't, then who, Dr. S- Dr. Chupp, would you suggest, given what you know about me, who would you suggest that would make a great mentor that I could talk to? The, again, the Denver Seminary Manual is excellent about how to respectfully go about seeking a mentor in the field where you are um, and who will um, uh, be able to walk with you through the period of, say, medical school or grad school or, what, or whatever. So. Did that answer your question? Okay. Yes, in the back. Oh, no, no. Now, the first one I mentioned with Dr. Lovett, that is the disciplines of a godly man. Uh, I don't know if there's a disciplines of a godly woman or not. Okay, so, yeah, I'm, I'm seeing a head shaking. But, uh, but uh, actually, and I've been told, so that's a 25-year edition, the one that I was using. It's been around for a long time. Um, uh, there, there must be a big fan club for it because I've seen people use COD. Oh, yeah, I use COD um, in, in my uh, walk with the Lord. But his son, I'm told, is also a foster who's put out a younger, a newer edition for millennials. Um, and I forget the title of that, but you could find it real easily. Um, and I, I've yet, it's in my, on my to-do list is to read his son's Celebration of Discipline version. Yes. Well, Mike, I know that uh, CMBA has a coaching service that's been developed, but is there a, a mentoring, you know, clearinghouse where you can say, hey, you know, I'm looking, or I'm someone that I know is looking for a mentor, does CMBA have something like that developed? So, work in progress. It's that interstate construction going on out there. Um, it's in progress. The goal is uh, for uh, Bill Reichert and the campus and community team. Um, that team and the regional directors, I think the numbers are to, to document 250 um, vital and ongoing mentoring relationships in the next three years. Now, I think that the goal could be much higher. Uh, Bill Griffin in our dental ministry is doing the same thing with dentistry. He's, his goal is to see half of the graduating dental students right now in our programs having mentors uh, as they're going uh, into practice or into a dental residency. So um, pray for us because it's, it's been a it's, uh, women physicians in Christ, women physicians and dentists in Christ ministry. Also, that has, it is at one of their top goals is to facilitate mentoring relationships within WPDC. So it has become a ministry-wide goal for all of our ministries is uh, to see these mentoring relationships. Um, Bill uh, if anybody's going to figure out how to make it happen, Bill Reichert is going to is going to do that. It's it's uh, it's something we talk about every week in our weekly meetings. Is how how's it going with the development of this program with the regional directors? So just as a follow up to that, is there a, a a weekend training workshop? For example, I might like to be a mentor for a medical student, but I've never been mentored. I don't know exactly. Besides what you said in the last hour, I don't know exactly. Um, Right. So, our, so there are, 
our coach training, as you thank you for bringing up the coach training, because it's, uh, it's, it continues to grow. We're having more and more cohorts. And I, I think the coach training is a, is a good thing to do because it does help you become a better mentor, to ask better questions of our mentees. But, uh, but in terms of training, there is a, cur- a curriculum. The, uh, I, I believe that Steve Sartori and the coaching team, actually, that's one of their three-year goals, is actually to write a mentoring curriculum along with CCM, Campus and Community Ministries. So it's, it's a, a target. All right, we are right at uh, 3.30. Thank you for being an attentive audience. appreciate you all coming this afternoon. God bless you throughout the rest of this conference. <laughs>